Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. Whoa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. This is Connor Hallway of the Golden Hours Podcast, and this is a quick GDP Minute. Now, guys, if you get any sort of value from this episode, I mean it. You laugh, you cry. You like what I'm doing over here. You like my hustle. You like the fact I'm trying to grow the show as big as I can out here. You like the fact that if we can grow the show more and more, I'll be in a better position to make another movie. Please share it with a friend. Just a little value exchange. That's it. I'm coming through with great interviews and great content. And if you guys like it and you're consuming it for free, please just share it with a friend, man. And also leave a review and subscribe. Apparently that helps a bunch. Anyway, guys, it is 6.53 a.m. on Saturday, June 25th. I ran an episode yesterday on June 24th with a guy named Ryan Gall and had a great time, man. Had a great time. And I'm just reflecting on all the episodes we've ever run. Anytime I have something funny on, episodes are more fun. So why don't I just do more of that? Um, there's just been a lot going on, man. Like, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I can monetize this thing the right way. I'm trying to make sure I'm meeting all the right people. I'm trying to make sure my trajectory is right. And um, I've been getting a lot of opportunities to meet new people. And I think that's just the nature of Los Angeles. But um, I'm just trying to keep an even keel with things right now. I'm, I'm just trying to keep my head down and work. Get great episodes out. Get great content out. Work, work, work. Um, other than that, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Ryan is actually, he's a cast member at the Groundlings right now. I actually think he had his last show yesterday, which is like the school where it's like the Harvard for comedy, where everybody goes there to study comedy and perform improv comedy. It's like where, where Will Ferrell went. I believe John C. O'Reilly went there. Um, anyway, I know Will Ferrell went there. Maybe Kristen Wiig. Um, so really funny guy. He's also on the TV show, The Last OG on TBS. And just a really nice guy, man. Had a great time with him. Hope to do it again soon. I think getting an actor of this caliber is actually a really big deal moving forward because you guys know how agents are. Like, oh, this actor was on it. Okay, then we can have my actor on it. Anyway, all love. Hope everyone's doing okay. Keep hustling. Peace. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. I gotta pee. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Because that would have been a really unfortunate start to this. Anyway, we're caught in the simulation. Alex, would you like me to clap twice so we can sync audio and video or no? We'll do it anyway. You can do it, Ryan. You can do it. Thank you. That's why they pay the big bucks. Because you're a producer and an That's right. Um, before I introduce my guest on my right, camera left, who is engineering the episode today? Give us a shout, man. Alex. That's all you got for us, man. What's up, Alex? <laughs> you want to give us a little background <laughs> or something? <laughs> Middle name, maybe? Nicknames? Alex, what you got? Okay. Thank you, Alex. You guys kind of do look like me. Do you think we were brothers when, when you saw Are you brothers? Do you I, mean, I know you're brothers. Well, he's actually from the East Coast, this guy. Is he? Connecticut. Nice. All right. Red Sox, Connecticut or Yankees, Connecticut? There we go. You're a big Sox fan, huh? Yeah, huge Sox fan. Bigger Pats fan or Sox fan? Sox. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I I love all Boston sports. I have two little boys, and they're like, this is unfair. You're, you're making me be a Boston sports guy out in L.A. I, they go to school out in the Valley, and they're like just obliterated on a daily basis because I put them in Red Sox gear going to school. I feel like there's a good mix of people like in terms of their preferences on teams out here though. LA fans yeah. aren't really like fucking diehard no, fans. They could care less. They're, they're, I mean, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of LA fans who are pretty diehard, but for the most part, a lot of bandwagon stuff. A lot of like, did we make it to the playoffs? Then I'll be interested. In Boston, I feel like opening day is as big as as like I don't know. Making... playoff baseball is pretty intense though. oh it's fantastic and when we don't make it i mean i get i i get in trouble 
because if we lose a playoff game, I'm like depressed for a couple of days are you? and nobody gets it. And I'm like, Ugh. and I have a few friends out here who are like, yeah, yeah. You want to like go sit in the backyard and have a beer or something. And I'm well, like, I think it's yeah. very mean, like mean people love. It's all we Red had. Sox. Yeah. It's all we, we had. Sea dogs, man. My cousin works at sea dogs. Does he really? He does. He does uh, have the sales for them. You know, I've never been to a Sea Dogs game, but I've always I drive by the Sea Dogs stadium, that little stadium, and I'm always like, I should just go in. They're like twenty bucks a ticket. So, and, and you see some Red Sox there playing sometimes. Yeah, they're you? injured when they yeah, like, <laughs> or they stink. Yeah, they like make or a million like, bucks when like Dustin Pedroia busted his knee. Yeah, like, no, everyone like, would come to the game. Go hit. Portland. I think Roger Clemens played there once. Did he? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm a, I love it. Probably goes with Boston sports. It goes Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots, Bruins. But I didn't play. I didn't play hockey, so I didn't have an attachment. Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots, Bruins. Yeah, I thought you were closing your eyes in disappointment because you were like, "I can't believe you put Bruins last." <laughs> no, I just have CT, so it's how I process things. Wait, you have what? CT. Oh, you do? No, I don't. Oh, I was like. <laughs> And they, I'll believe anything today. If somebody's like, I'm sorry, I, I um, have amnesia. I don't I'm so sorry, man. Actually, one of our producers has vertigo, and he told me that. I had known him for like four I have vertigo. Do you really? Yeah. If I go up to a top of a building or something, I can't balance if, I, if I'm if i looking down to it. Like, I'll start to spin. Really? Yeah. It's pretty weird. When it's was not the, fun. When was the first time you had an epiphany that you're... Uh, I, rem- I remember in like sixth grade we had to go to this ropes no this adventure camp they send you off like every sixth grade class from my school in maine they send you off and they're like you're gonna do all this wacky shit and is it like sergeant camp i don't know what that is it's like um you were doing like ropes courses in the yeah. woods and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like an adventure yeah, camp you and it. you sleep in tents. Got it. You have to like bury your own shit. <laughs> like yeah. it, it was very bizarre and weird. And you're you're with like you're just starting to hit that part of your life where you're having crushes on girls and you're like, I'm going to go dig a hole and shit in a hole. I'll be right back. I'll be back, but I got a crush on you. Um, so, but I remember we had to cro- cross a gully, like a serious 100 foot, 200. I don't even remember. At the time, it felt like a mile down and there was one rope and you had to click yourself in and pull yourself across. Um and this woman, no, no joke. Her name was Rambo. Um, to, to, I got she out to Mrs. the middle Trunchbull of it. Type? Yeah, okay. absolutely. And I, I got into the middle of it, and I looked down, and I remember spinning. And that's the first time I was like, "Yeah, I'm not great with heights. I would, I would have trouble if I got. I get scared if people, I ever like try to do a commercial or something. They're like, "You're gonna be up hundred feet in the air," and I'm like, mm. Maybe I'll do a little passeroo on this one. Shoot for if it's like hundred k. Shoot for the next one. I've done it. I've done it. The like I remember being. I had to be duct taped to a telephone pole at the top, and give like some sort of weird speech for Microsoft, and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done because I was like, I'm not. I'm not in a good place. So did you get this like clinically diagnosed? No. Okay. No, I just know my doctor when I I'm like, why why does that happen? He was like, You have vertigo. You have like your your ears go you have a weird balance in your ears. Yeah. Something's off and you you panic and it's probably a mix of phobia and vertigo. Which is great and really fun. You know Canopy Lake Park in New Hampshire? Yeah. So did you ever do the Turkish twist on that thing? No. That'll probably throw you all out of whack. No, I can't. If no I go to, on that. I'll do a roller coaster, but I tell everybody, I'm like, I got like one or two in me and then I'm kind of screwed up for the day. So, uh, cause it, I, I remember going on, um, the Hulk at Universal mm-hmm. and, I, and my friend was like, it's not that bad. It's pretty smooth. And I was like, I don't know. And I can go on at like eight in the morning and do the Hulk. And then I just feel off the whole day. It's, it's pretty weird. It's not, it's not great. Don't do it. If you can avoid it, don't get vertigo. I don't even know if it's actually vertigo. I should say that. You sound swag when you say it though. Like, yeah, I got vertigo dog. <laughs> what was the, the movie vertigo? Who's in that? Wait, Hitchcock? actually, before I move on, sorry to cut you off. It was Hitchcock. Yeah, you're right. Um, on my right, camera left, I have an incredibly 
funny and witty entertainer who I saw at the Groundlings. Is it 1967 or 69? 1969. Of 1969 show. Tonight. Although I don't know when. This I was will... I was wearing a mask the whole time, but I was laughing through the mask. That's great. And That's good. my friends were laughing. The woman next to me was laughing. And guest name is Ryan Gall. Ryan Gall. That's my name. Thanks, man. A, uh, uh, a friend from the East Coast, a friend from the Boston a brethren. and Maine area. Yeah. Oh, so when you came out here initially, were you telling people you're from Boston? No, I, I'm usually pretty like, I, you know, I, I wait for people to be like, where are you from? And I'll be like, New England. And if they push further, I'll be like, it's Maine. But if they're like, where's that? I'll be like, it's just Boston. It's, don't worry about it. It's Boston. But then some people will be like, I'm from Boston. Where? And I'm like, I'm from Maine. They're like, stop doing that. Stop telling people you're from Boston if you're not from Boston. And I'm like, no, I just, I do it out of convenience. Because if you say Maine, I remember. I like, what the fuck is Maine, man? I had a guy in, when I first moved here, 2000, it was like 2005. I was in the Bally's. That's how long ago it was. Bally's was still a gym. And I was working out and this guy go, I had main, a main license plate. Cause I, even when I was in Boston, I had main license plates to save some cash. Got on it. the Cause it's like four bucks a year to yeah, have I'm insurance. Not in here. No, it's not, you can't do it anymore. Cause the Just cops are, are you? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, whatever, whatever works. <laughs> are you really? No, that's fine. I mean, not. not, but it's all right. Uh, but the guy goes, where? He goes, Maine. And I go, yeah, I'm pr I grew up in Maine. He goes, I love Canada. <laughs> <laughs> really? And I didn't even correct him. I was like, yeah, it's great up there. It's great. But people sometimes go like, I can't even point to Maine on a map. Outside of Alaska and Hawaii, I mean, this makes sense geographically. It's normally, if someone wants to visit all 50 states, it's normally the last place they visit. Not, yeah, there's not a, there. it's like, they call it vacation land though, right? Acadia? How far were you from Acadia growing up? Three hours. Pretty yeah. far. Cadillac Mountain. Yeah, pretty far. It was a small town you grew up in, right? I was looking it up. It was, what was it called? Like Albatross? Damris. Something like that? It was Albatross, Maine. Okay. No, uh, Damariscotta, Maine. Damariscotta. It means river of little fishes. Really? And it was, was like, like? 2,000 people. I mean, not a lot of people there. Not a lot of things to do. We were like a cliche small town out of a Stephen King movie or something where on friday nights i'd i'd you know uh go around playing mailbox baseball or something or we used to fill pumpkins uh, we're near ll bean like do you know ll yeah, bean ll bean was like a hunting and camping store so we would go there and buy you could buy um gunpowder um like big cans of gunpowder for whatever reason and we would cut open a pumpkin and just pack it with gunpowder, put a wick in, and then glue it shut. And then we would go and put those in people's mailboxes and light them and drive off for no reason other than to watch a uh a just mail... see the world burn. Just at that age, you're Frustrated. like frustrated. Yeah. How old are you at this point? Like twenty seven? Yeah. This <laughs> is when I was thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> this is last year. No, this is this is like sixteen, sixteen, seventeen, maybe fifteen. And do you just have the same group of friends growing up? Like, yeah. I mean, you didn't have much of a choice when there's two thousand people in the town. I mean, my graduating class was was one hundred and twenty five people. But holy shit! But that's it's one hundred and twenty five people. But it was like eight towns. That's eight. It was regional. Eight towns. So it's like if you took all the people from my town, it was like nine people graduating in my town oh my god yeah not a not a big city so did you have the inkling to be become like an actor and entertainer back then yeah it's been weird if you're just not surrounded by anyone who's ever done it no i and i didn't i i remember like auditioning for i auditioned for like school plays and didn't know what was hap i i, I was not good at it i remember i got put in the chorus of a Shakespeare play or something. And was I was like, Othello. And I was like, offended. no, it was Midsummer, Midsummer's. Sure, yeah. And I, I was like a guard or something with no lines. And I had to go to all the rehearsals. I had to go to all the, like uh, all the shows just to sit there with like a spear and not do anything. And I, I remember even at that point being like, this is not for me. They're not. No, I, I was like, this is for me. 
and they're not using me right they i should be the lead i i had this weird like i knew i could do it mm -hmm. i just i didn't show them the right way that i could do it so that was that was the learning curve for me to be like all right what am i doing wrong that they're not getting that i have the confidence i can do this or am i am i not good enough which didn't that didn't hit me until like a couple of days ago okay. no i but I, when i went to college is really where i like auditioned and so i no. started to click a little bit more and be like oh okay i get it i gotta you know there's that there's that moment where you go like oh acting is not like it's not as hard as you think it's just you have to uh it, you have to have a certain level of maturity to be able to act and i didn't have it at that point it's what do you mean by certain level of maturity? I just think you have to, you, maybe it's life experience. Maybe it's the, the confidence to be a little bit older, to have the confidence to like look somebody in the eye and, and act out a moment for real. Yeah. Sometimes that makes a lot of people, not sometimes, a lot of the times that makes people really uncomfortable. And that's what stop. If you ask a lot of non-actors, to look you in the eye and read a scene with you, they're going to have, they're going to have trouble with that. They're going to be very uncomfortable. They're going to, uh, so it takes practice. I was going to say, it's just a result of you getting the reps in over time. Yeah. I think so. And then, and then a ton of luck, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're going to do it as a, a job and a ton of hustle and, you know, and being willing to do it over and over and over and know that sometimes you're going to be doing it exactly the right way and in exactly the right way for you. And it's still not going to lead to uh, any formal success, you know. So you get out of Maine and then you're like, all right, I'm just going to go to school in Boston. And yeah. And so what's like your comedy entertainment background? I there. well, I didn't do any comedy in, in college. I feel like every play I did, I had a director who was picking the most dismal weird uh, eccentric dramas you could imagine um and you wanted to do comedy i i didn't i didn't know i remember one when we graduated she she would pull us in the office and have this like one-on-one -on -one with us and she was like you might be able to go to la and do soap operas and she was like you might and i was like i don't want to do soap operas sounds ass yeah so and i was like i don't want to do that and she was like well you're not made for the stage <laughs> she was horrible and what i was like you, but she drew yeah i really was like driven by her being like you can't fucking do this and i was like i bet you i can give it a good run you should send her the trailer for the last og I, yeah i know <laughs> i i well you know it's funny because stonehill where i went to school they did an interview with me at some point, like in season two, when I was doing the last OG, and and I was like, I hope she reads this, and I hope she remembers. <laughs> I hope like she, and I hope she like remembers. Them. I hope she remembers telling me that I couldn't, like, you know. And it's not like I look at the last OG and and think like, ooh, I'm gonna get Emmys for this. But the fact that I I persevered and came out to LA and worked and worked my ass off. Um, and did something and, and made a living doing it. I'm like, you, she could have been on the other end of that. She could have said like, go for it, Ryan, like, go for it. Why not? If this is what you, you have in your, your belly, if that's the fire in your belly, go fucking get it. Mm -hmm. And she didn't. So fuck her. <laughs> well, I think, um, Patricia Sankis, if oh, you're out there. Oh God. It's tattooed on your brain. You know exactly yeah. who she is. Patricia Sankis. I, I've had moments like that too. I think um I think people are motivated differently. I think some people are motivated by positive reinforcement, but in your case, do you think it's mostly negativity? Sometimes, yeah, I bet you it's a good mix. Sometimes I like being told like you can't do this, and I'm like, all right, yeah, I think I can. We'll see. Yeah, I'd like to see if I could. I used to uh, wrestle in in high school, and I could always I showed up more for the the better wrestlers than I did for the guys that like had a, you know, a two and 12 record or yeah. something. I'd be like a little lazy Chip on your shoulder type. Yeah. Thing. But if somebody was like undefeated, I'd be like, it's time to go. Yeah. Let's, let's see what can, let's see how long I can last. Now, has that served you out here? You think like, yeah, being hard for sure. Because there, I, you know, even when I first came out here and I was doing commercial auditions or something, 
I just thought of ever. I, I used to think of it as like, I'm not, I'm not getting this job, but I know this is statistically, I know if I do a good job and I, and I push forward and, and wait for that next audition and I keep training and I, you know, I work at the groundlings and I do my shows and I get my reps in. I know statistically, I, it's not a hundred percent, but I know I have a good chance of something breaking at some point. And that's all I have to do is keep going. You know, I just kept that as my mantra, like, just don't stop. Mm -hmm. Let everybody else quit. Let everybody else the marathon. Quit. Yeah. And, and know that like, there'll there'll be parts for me i just have to i had an acting coach once who was like if you keep working and you keep you know studying and you you hit your auditions and you put effort into them th there are little there are jobs already headed towards you <laughs> in the universe it sounds kind of like cheesy but they're headed towards you successes are headed towards you so just keep going until they hit they you. hit you yeah they're already on their way what was so, that for you? Like my Actually, first no, job? Rewind, or... rewind. So you go down a stone hill. Yeah. You're doing plays. Yeah. And then when you kind of, you were working at Improv Asylum, right? Yeah. Well, I went to, when I graduated from Stonehill, I was sort of like, what am I going to do? I know what I want to do, but how the fuck do I get there? Yeah. And my, you know, my parents are traditional Irish Catholic Mainers edu in education. And they were like, yeah maybe not acting or mm -hmm. they're like get a good safe job teaching you know high school or something and i i i thought about it. i got a job at a bank i worked at a bank for oh, a year i worked God. at for wb mason i saw that um for what was that like that's horrible dude they're like the I, red sox main sponsor you must I, be pumped no trust me i i was like the the benefits and everything were great but i woke up every day just like are you kidding me i'm gonna sell pencils to kind of and you know my my boss would uh we had those nextels at the time so i'd like be seven in the morning and i'd be like chirp chirp and oh i'd hear God. like ryan where are you and i'd be like i'm in medford selling and he'd be like what and meanwhile i'm in bed like <laughs> <laughs> so i like i'd have to meet him and i i just remember going into i i was actually in the parking lot of a staples because once a week we had to go to Staples and compare pricing. Which Staples? Um, Lawrence Mass. God, you were really going through it. I was in. I was Dark in the mess. I was in the mess. And I know, but I I sat there and I had their their flyer and I'm like, and in my mind, this is this is where I had just taken one class at Improv Asylum, and I was like, this is this got me going. That like taking a class, like being on stage in front of people trying to make them laugh i was like "Ooh, i like this this feels right i don't care if i make money and so i'm sitting in the the parking lot of staples with that running through the back of my mind and my i don't know what came over me but my boss danny dwyer danny dwyer for wb mason um who was a nice guy but he i just wasn't a good fit and he called me and was like hey where are you and i was like i i'm i quit and I just quit right there on the Written spot. And he goes, you can't just quit. You got to give us notice. And I was like, nah, I think I got to just be done. And and he was like, well, we need all our stuff back. And I was like, yeah, I'll get it back to you. That's not a problem. And I went the next day and got a waiting job because I knew that actors wait tables to make money. And then I went full blast into Improv Asylum, like trying to perform and got on the stage there and and... Oh, in my mind, I always knew like, well, I, I'm going to have to move from Boston at some point, but it took, you know, it took some time to get the confidence to go and make that leap. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you feel, but while I was in Boston, LA felt like a giant to me that I was like, do I have the balls to do that? Do I have the, the balls to succeed in a place like LA? And, uh, you know, eventually I was like, well, there's only one way to find out. I have been noticing out here that you can tell if someone's from the East Coast right away. Can you? Absolutely. What is it? Well, with you, I can tell you were Irish before I met you. Yeah, I am. I've... Just because of your name. Yeah. But then <laughs> when right. we talked, I was like, all right, this dude seems Most people of... think I'm French because really? of Gaul. I... Yeah, but you no, know. No, Gaul sounds Irish. Yeah. Well, they think of like Gaul, the land of the, uh, the emperor, the empire of, of 
Gaul, but you know Gaul. We're Galway. I was gonna say that Galway. Yeah. yeah. And Danny Dwyer is definitely Irish. Danny Dwyer was Irish. He was a badass. He was well, not a yeah. He, scary boss. Kicked, he kicked my ass a few times. Did he? Yeah. He wasn't. I was very happy to say goodbye to him and turn in my next tell. Boom. <laughs> I was like chirp. Yeah. Bye bye. That was the last chirp. But you can tell people right away. I think people are a little more um. Not not abrasive in a bad way, but like abrasive. Yeah. No, I always say like, on. Uh, when I came to the West Coast at first, people would hold doors and be like, hi, welcome. Like, and in the, the back of the mind, me, yeah. <laughs> that's it. It's like, what are you looking for? What do you, what do you think I, what do you think I have? And on the East Coast, you're on the subway or something and you just look at somebody and you're, you know, you're either like, what the fuck are you looking at? Or it's like, you need something? And then it, usually it's like, no, nah, I'm good. All right, I'm good too, dude. Don't uh, but it's like what you see is what you get mm -hmm. a little more. I mean, there's in out here, it's like you don't know what you're getting because no people, clue. everybody's angling out here. Mm -hmm. Everybody's angling, and see, that kind of sucks sometimes. I, I don't know. Has this served you though? Just making your intentions very well known right away. Sure, because I think people are like, um, what's the word? naturally hesitant when they meet new people because there's a level of trust that people are like you shouldn't really trust everyone but if you just make your intentions known right away has that served you sure i mean it's like it's probably served me and it's probably also like ruined things for me because some people don't always react well to that if you're too aggressive um but i usually i've always just said like i am who i am you'll never but, you know, I've, well, I've gone through the groundlings or, I've, you know, done any acting job. I'm like, if I'm in a mood, you know, on a job someday where I don't want to eat lunch with anybody, I'm just going to say, like, I, I want to eat lunch alone. And they'll be like, no, come eat it with people. And I'm like, not in the mood, man. I'm going to eat lunch alone. And that I'm not antisocial. I just got. I, I just want some, a minute. Yeah. That's why you want mac and cheese, bro. And, and sometimes people are like, yeah, you know, like you gotta, you gotta get out there, Ryan, you gotta like network Socialize. and, you know, and I, I understand the, but I'm just not good at it. I'm not a good networker. We're networking right now, man. You're doing a great job. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel better. I, I'm not the worst at it, but yeah. I, but he, he, natural, like natural meetings are like you asking me to come and do a podcast and you're working and you're hustling. And, and I'm like, yeah, you've, you've been completely, you know, respectful and, and persistent. a good persistent, but a good, like not, not overkill. You've just been like, I want to do this. Or, and I haven't said like, no. So you've just been like, Hey, following up, following you've up. said like, yo, bro, my fucking flight is delayed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But there are, there's you know i i don't like the like i i'll give you an example of being on a, a shoot a few weeks ago where a mother of a like four-year-old girl was getting mad at the four-year-old girl because she wasn't handing out her business cards the the four-year-old girl wasn't handing out her business cards and i was like god that's a four-year-old, that's a four-year-old girl that a mother is getting upset with because she's not pushing her career at four years. I couldn't even, I couldn't take it in. Like, it's one thing to hustle when you've decided, like, this is going to be my career and I'm going to, I'm going to try to meet as many people as I want and authentically meet as many people like you're not you're not putting up uh, you know a, a facade or anything you just you want to you do this podcast i watch some of your podcasts and they all seem like yeah you're you're just chatting with people i i i respect that but there are people out there that like we talked about that have ulterior motives and it's it's it feels fake Yo, you know that girl is done for <laughs> i mean honestly i said that to a few people i was like she's screwed if four years old she's being trained like i gotta hand out my my 
business. I have one. Oh, I wish I had it with me. She handed one to me. She had to, like her mother was like, go give one to him. And I was like, thanks for your business card, four-year-old girl. What am I going to do like with a four-year-old's business card other than maybe be arrested if somebody pulls me <laughs> over? <It's> like, <laughs> why are you carrying around a four-year-old's business card? It's like, I don't know, networking? We're going out Friday night. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird world out here and it's very it's different it's a lottery it's either that girl is going to turn into like the next tiger woods and just be dominant in the yes. industry or yeah. like oh no i don't want to shit on somebody no. but just uh, a nightmare she, child star yeah i i i see it so much with kids where i'm like parents are living vicariously through them and trying to be like ah, i gotta have my kid like it'll be like five o'clock on a Wednesday and I'll see a, an eight year old at a commercial audition doing math homework. And I'm like, take your fucking kid home and let it be a kid and stop pushing it to a Sears commercial where uh, that kid doesn't give a shit whether it does a commercial or not. What are, what are you really doing? Like, what are you really doing here? You're pushing your kid down a road that it probably doesn't see the value of it's and and teaching it that like to have that like making money in commercials is more important than actually just living as a child and playing and that stuff gets me fired up how do you i mean how old are your kids uh eight and eleven i mean as a parent though i don't have any kids you want some i do but i'd like to be like sitting on a hundred million bucks from like 50 yeah and then have the kids you know what yeah, i'm saying i hear you um but how do you like place a kid in a conducive environment to get good at stuff without pushing it down their throat? Cause there's a way yeah. to do it. Like how do you get kids around sports? Not really like shove it down their throat, but like you still want them to go D one. You know what I'm saying? Totally. No, my, my two boys love baseball. And clearly, you're pumped about that. Clearly. No, they're, and they're better than me. They're like my, are, are my 11 year olds can, can, no, I'm not good. I mean, I could, if we had like a league or something, you'd be like, ah, eh, maybe put him in left field. I'd be like, this um, dude's going a little too hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but I, I've got a pretty good arm, pretty okay. good arm. But, uh, but my, <laughs> my guys are like in serious leagues. They're playing all stars all weekend. They're like, I'm watching them. I'm like, oh, these guys are pretty, pretty solid, but they love it. And if they don't love it, I'd be like, don't do it. But I also but you say, don't want them to be soft too. No. And I tell them, I'm like, if you're not doing this, you got to pick something to do. You got to pick something else, take a chance on something else. Like you're always trying new things because you're going to find the things you love. And it took them away. Like my, my uh, oldest kid played hockey for like the first three years of his life. And then he was like, I don't really like it, dad. And I was like, well, you don't play hockey, but what else do you want to play? You want to play basketball? You want to play bas baseball? You want to play soccer? But something every season. But they really are like loving baseball. They love baseball and they love those Red Sox. And you're pumped about that. I do love that they love the Red Sox. And they're not ashamed to say it in front of all their, their Dodger and Anaheim friends. I'm going to sound... um pretty ignorant but are the red sox doing good this year no nah, they're they're okay they're they're, they're coming on right now yankee yankees are unbelievable this year they're dominant so, yeah not that this is a sports podcast but the yankees are absolutely dominating the entire major leagues right now i and did I have i had the that. cmo of the red sox on the podcast once back the, in boston did you really i did nice guy yeah and he was saying he was in the video intern for the 2004 world series and he was like dude it was like a disney movie really yeah oh you'd get chills if you listen to it oh i still go back and watch the youtube like yeah, yeah. It, it like the, the compilation of the whole series where they went down i mean i was it was that a was wild the, time that was the first year i was out here really and i sat on a very shitty apartment floor in game four I don't know how much you remember. You were probably like two years old. But game four of that was the first one they won. And I ordered a Papa John's large pizza with jalapenos and chicken for some reason. Where are you in L.A.? I'm in uh, Venice. Okay. So I'm sitting on this part and I watch them and they win. And I go, oh, shit. And this is where this is who I am. The next night they're playing again or two nights later. Every game, I sat in the same place and I ordered the same pizza. They, so they won again. I'm like, oh shit! They I won four and zero, right? 
yeah, they won four in a row yeah, yeah. to take the whole thing. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, hey, but I got four of those pizzas. You finished the whole thing every time. The delivery guy knew me by the end. And he was like, what's going on, man? You okay? Yeah, I'm going through it. I'm man. like, listen, <laughs> just give me the pizza, dude. Shut up, I got dude. five five minutes till the first pitch. But yeah, that's that's crazy. I, I agree with you, though. I, I don't want them to be soft. And I also don't want, like, in terms of theater or I, I go... If you guys want to act, if you want to get into video production, if you want to, if you, that's something, and they take improv at their school, nice. but I'm like, do it, do it. Cause you love it at this age. Like that way, like you don't associate it with money yet. So I think that's a, that's a downfall. I think to, when a kid is like, Ooh, I'm banking cash. And some of these kids are making a lot of money at really young ages. Doing and, Twitch, YouTube. Yeah. Or, you know, get on a sitcom or get on like the, you know, all of a sudden they're making half a million dollars, you Jeez. know, in a, in a year. And they're, I, I'm sure most of them don't even know they're making that, but, but that's a weird thing for a kid to digest. Like, mm -hmm. as opposed to me who, when I was a kid, I mowed lawns for $10 and was like, I'm rich. But yeah, I don't, I don't want them to, I want, I loved when I was first doing, I loved being on stage and I loved performing entertaining. and entertaining and making people laugh. And also f like we were talking about failing sometimes is where you learn the most and, it's and the only way to learn, man. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want them to do something where it comes a little too easy. They make a ton of money and then they're like, yeah, that was easy. I already did that. They I already a struggle, man. Yeah. Yeah. Adversity. Now, That's... okay, you're hustling at the improv asylum. Is this when you get the job at Joe's? Yeah. Yeah. So for some reason I had a connection with a job outside the city and you know where Braintree is, but it's not in the city. It's like a 40 minute. Saying, where was like, improv asylum? Was that it... was in the North end. Oh, it was in the yeah. North end. So I had to go from Braintree to the North end oh, and I lived in the North end. So, uh, I, I was like going, I was, that was my hustle where I was like trying to make 150 bucks a night, like to pay rent so that I could take classes. And, but I was, when I could hit that stage, I didn't care about money. I was just like, oh, this, this is, is the this best. It's the best. And it's like, you find this little family of people and we were like, you know, uh, doing shows on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturday nights, and sit around after and have a beer and you dream about like, all right, what do we want to do? Like, what's the, what's the, our dream. And we'd come out to, to LA, you know, a few times and we'd just be, I, I remember we came out to do a showcase somewhere in like 2000 or something. And I was just like, yeah, I gotta get here. It's overwhelming. Look, like I, I looked at the, like the cityscape, and I was like, it's too much. Like this is crazy. How, how would I get from places to, like, I don't know the roads. I don't. You can, you, you can see why everybody. You can find a million reasons not to do it, and everything tells you you shouldn't. Like ev all the statistics, all the things that say like, well, you want to write a screenplay, it, 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 they don't sell. You want to make a movie, it's probably not going to make money. You want to audition, there's a thousand other people going people for that part. Negative as hell, man. People want to to push you down and say like, uh, it, there's something about the human condition that where people are like, don't do it, man. Be careful. Well, taking risks makes other people uncomfortable. Yeah, my my mentor in college used to say. Uh, uh, you know how people go like, all right, be careful when you're like leaving a house or leaving, you're saying goodbye to somebody. All right, we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm. Be be safe out there. He used to always, uh, he was a teacher and we'd be leaving and he'd be like, all right, don't wear your seatbelt and take chances. <laughs> and I That's loved it. Good advice. I loved it because he was basically saying like, don't be too careful. Mm -hmm. Be People who are too careful don't, ever get they don't where they will make him a hundred percent happy mm -hmm. so don't be too careful that's that's what i've always said like no take some chances so you shift out here yeah where do you move first and then what's your first job here while you're trying to pick up work oh man i it was so 2004 
And I didn't, I had a, I got an agent, a commercial agent, but as you may know, it takes a while for things to start rolling with any agent because none of the casting directors know who you are. So they're not calling you in very often. So I got a job. I, I, I was like, I got to make some money because I got to pay rent. So I, I got a job selling phone conferencing and I had to get, get up. I had to be there at 7 a.m. in the morning. It was just deadly. And it was over on somewhere in Venice. And I'd go to this little shitty office. And I'd sit down. And I remember I sat next to maybe the fattest man in the world. Maybe He might have not even been a man. I don't know what he was. But he smelt. He was just huge. And he was so, like, he was always like eating shit and and I had to sit at this place next to him and cold call uh businesses that they had a list and I'd be like, Hi, uh can I talk to you about your phone conferencing services? I never sold one. Ever. And they kept saying, like, well, you gotta be more like you gotta push a little harder. And, like, I don't think this and is I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and then one day I woke up and I I had an audition. I remember it was a Bud Light audition. And I was like, oh, shit, I gotta, I'm got i supposed to be at work. So I call and I go, like, I got this audition. And the, the big fat guy was like, he was like, Ryan, listen, I used to be an agent. This is, you're not going to, like, you're never going to go anywhere. And again, he said, he pushed me down. And he was like, you know, this is, it doesn't work out like this. You're not just going to start, like, booking stuff. And I was like, all right, then I quit. And I quit. That job that I never went back into that. And they sent me like a partial check, I remember, for the hours I worked. Did you land the Bud and Light? And I booked that Bud Light. I booked that Bud Light commercial. And I remember going like, all right. You should have mailed him some cupcakes. No. And my commercial, I go, when my commercial agent called me, he was like, hey, you booked Bud Light. And I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, well, you're going to shoot the Bud Light commercial. That's It's cool. And I go, no no shit really <laughs> and he was like yeah did you he was like you're gonna book stuff like are, were you are you that surprised and i was like yeah i guess i'm i'm just a little ha i'm happy and he was like well he was like get ready because it's we're gonna go now like this is what happens you booked one well let's keep booking i was like let's fucking rock let's nice. go like and so were you a working actor from that point on right yeah after? i've never had a job since holy shit yeah wow is that the case for most people you know out here? They book one thing and then it's game on. I don't. I don't know for sure. I know plenty of people that have had to like struggle, and you know, I remember who was it? Um, Jack McBrayer from Thirty Rock when he first came out here, and he's like one of the funniest guys you could ever meet. I mean, just so naturally funny and he was he's the tall blonde dude yeah okay. he's kind of southern southern yeah. guy um and he he was working at like some office as a temp for months and then i was talking to him and he was like yeah i think like tina tina fey said she has like a part for me in a pilot she wants me to audition for and i was like yeah good luck nobody books any pilots that's like unheard of and cut to like seven years later <laughs> where he did I don't know how many seasons of 30 Rock, but so it's, you were the negative prick in that. I would say, but isn't it crazy how you, I don't think I actually said that. I'm sure I said something like, dude, that's, that's awesome. That's great. But in my mind, I remember being like, we, people don't book, right? Like, I think we just think like we're programmed to be uh, negative. Yeah. I, I think most people are. It, and it can be reprogrammed. I think you have to reprogram it. Yes. And I think it's easier if you, if you have a little success, you can be like, okay, let's, let's follow that. Let's... Momentum is ins insanely yeah. important. Yeah. I also think if you're in a, a negative environment, I think that's why LA is good for a lot of people is because they leave their hometown where everyone's like, bro, this shit is never going to happen. And then you're, no. you're like, you're like yeah, wait, there are people actually out here doing it. Like, yeah, there's people you get and you go, you start to go like, well, that person's no different than I am. Like that, that, I'm way more jacked than him. Yeah, I'm huge. <laughs> fucking yoke, man. Well, I did. I do remember early on going to commercial auditions, and sometimes they'd bring you in like three or four at a time, and I'd be like, uh, 
you know, at least the best out of my group. Yeah. For God's sakes, that was that was a sad situation. But <laughs> but for every person that comes out here that's a little negative, there's also a ton of people who are just ultra positive. There's toxic hockey and but they have nothing to show for to, it. Yeah, they have nothing to back it up. Yeah. There's no talent. You're like, oh no, man. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of toxic positive out here too. Have you gotten that? Like that fake you know, sort like, of dude. Like, life is amazing, right? Yeah. Come on, let's listen, get up after. Let's listen, go run fifty miles. Let's get it. Come on. Yeah. Man. You're like, oh Jesus. No, there's a lot and of inside, like. They're just like. Yeah. I mean, know. social media has like made that very clear sometimes where i i've had to silence people because i'm like i can't i can't wake up to another like you're in charge of your life and you're gonna do it just ride the wave babies and it's like a picture <laughs> of a cat like going you know putting his fist in the air air and a 23 like, year old life coach I'm like no at some point i don't need i don't know if i need that but then i'm like is that being negative but should i just look at that person and be like oh good for them They're, they can be if that's if that's serving them at some point i have to be able to be okay with it i guess i don't know if i want to work with them but i have to be okay with it i think so you're out here what's the first like big thing you land where you're like oh fuck i'm really i'm doing it mm. you can take your time with the sips if you'd like oh that's a good sip um it took a long time i think like the first big thing I landed was like the thing that I, I thought, Oh, this is going to be a big job was a season three of house of lies where it was like, I think we did nine or 10 episodes. Um, and it wasn't, my part wasn't massive, but I was, my arc kind of was woven through the arc of Don Cheadle and uh, Josh Lawson and Ben Schwartz and Kristen Bell. So I worked with all of them a lot. And it was really a, a moment of like, oh, these, like it was my first experience on set where I was like, this is what TV can be. And they were all having so much fun and they worked really hard and they were so good at what they did because they, they, um, they, they took it seriously to hear and then they were able to have fun to a, to a certain level after that. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's how you succeed. You like, you, you come to your job prepared. They were always, always prepared. And they, they were also able to play around. And I was like, that's what I want that. I, I would kill for that. I still will kill for that. I'll kill anybody for that. <laughs> um, that was in 2000. I'm gonna say it was like 2012 or something. So you're, already like eight, you're eight years in the game. Yeah, and I and I were like up until that point, I probably had survived mostly off of commercials. But I mean, I did a I did a fair amount of commercials, and I was like, maybe I'm just gonna be a guy who does commercials. But would you have been cool with that? I would. I would have, and I always will still like push for more. You know, like mm -hmm. you know. But I would have, I've, I told my wife when we got married, I was like, you have to know I'll die penniless doing this because I can't do, do anything else. else. <laughs> I can't. And I, and I, I think that's the, there are certain people out there who go like, all you have to do is like, I, I know this is, is for me and I know I'm going to succeed. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to succeed, but I do know this is only the only option. thing I can do. Yeah. So I'm just going to have to like, it's my best bet to go with what I think I'm good at. I still may die penniless, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to go for it. Why not? Mm -hmm. I could, I don't want to worked out thus far, man. Right. So far, so far. Well, we'll see, but I'm, 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 I like being surprised. I like being like not knowing what's next. A lot of people always say, like, I'll go home and they'll be like, what do you do? Like, what do you, what do you do out there on a daily basis? Like, and you know, well, I'm sure the groundlings is a nice structure for you. Right. Cause that's just like set schedule and sort of, yeah. You know, 
it's been a really good home base and I feel bad for an actor. I, I don't feel bad for actors who don't have a home base, but I think it's got to be much harder and more solitary to not have sort of a family of people who you can lean on and, and relate to in terms of like, maybe I'm going through a dry spell. I can go do some shows at the groundlings and that really can pump me up and get my creative juices flowing. There's people I've met that I write with. There's, uh, you know, I can jump into a show at any time if I'm, I call it my therapy sometimes. Cause I'm like, I can put everything else aside, just get on that stage and go. Um, I told you, I love that the set with you and the two horny twin sisters. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, yo, get me a Sprite. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> what was, was your character name? Derek? I, I don't even remember. Like, Der it might have been, yeah, Derek. Like, give me a Sprite. Give me a Sprite. Yeah, from true experience. But, you know, the Groundlings is, I the the Giants who have been on that stage before me, I, I never go on that stage without trying to remember how honored I am to even have an opportunity to step foot on that stage let alone call it a home or a second home, you know? It was incredibly well-produced, too. It was the first show I'd seen like that, like directed, yeah. produced, the music, yeah. seamless production. Yeah, it's really, they they take it pretty seriously as a, uh, like a show. So you can go to a lot of sketch shows or improv shows in L.A. and be like, yeah, there's talent here, but, but this isn't as, a, as a, like a show to come in and watch, it's like, yeah. Groundlings has always been that way, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just big, big, big epic characters and band and loud and uh, lighting and um, and shows that are probably a little bit too long, <laughs> little too long. I think there were what? There must have been like sixteen acts in that. They were, yeah, I think fourteen, okay. but with an improv or something, probably. Yeah, it's a another uh, really funny one was. Um, it was so out there, man. I don't think you were on stage for this one. The dude was like a piece of bacon that got thrown out of the salad. That's Laird. That's Laird. hilarious. Laird I'm is so wild, cold. Man. Oh, I'm freezing. Help me. Yeah. That <laughs> was hilarious. He's, I'm going to tell him you said that. Ew, he'll be very happy. He's, his mind is insane. His mind is insane. Insane. I can't even. I mean, the things I've seen him write over the years. I went through a lot of the program with him. So I've seen him. And we've been, we've gotten very close over the years and he, he's wild. He is wild. He'll be like, he could definitely do no other job. I'm assuming. Oh, no way. I mean, he, he, yeah. Although sometimes he's like, I'm, I have to go to Europe and help Steven Spielberg with military consultation on a film. Cause he, he knows everything about. Oh, he ex military. He's not. He just happens to know <laughs> everything. Although it, we always joke at the Groundlings, we're like, when when shit goes down, when it's a zombie apocalypse, when it's a, any apocalypse, we got to get to Laird's because we know he's got like some sort of basement full of like beans and Uzis, and <laughs> like Ready we'll be go. safe for at least a couple of a couple of years. Well, with no, that being wild. said, if there was a zombie apocalypse, yeah, realistically, I really want you to register this. What would your first step be? in LA right now. I mean, but the first thing on my mind would be my kids and I'd probably ditch them. I get rid of them <laughs> and use them as bait. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I have a friend back in Maine who's always like, you got to get a gun, you got to get a dog. And I'm like, if there's really, if stuff goes South, I think like, I, I'm going to, I got a billy club and that's about it. You have uh, a billy club? I keep a billy club under my bed. <laughs> yeah. Or I a billy well, club. A, yeah. But I, I keep a billy club under my bed and I keep a, a aluminum bat behind the door, um, which I the, have had to use. Why, I'm not why on do you anyone. have a billy club? A, a billy club is just something I've had for, for years. I think I bought it like in two... I mean, we're in LA and I'm in the suburbs. I'm out in Lake Balboa and there's not just like, I've had people come to my door and be a little bit weird and I, I'll just keep it like behind my back. 
because I don't want to ever be in a situation where somebody like people will push through doors. You read about it all the time. That's and, just such a gruesome thing. So you just want to billy clubs. I'd an go intruder. For, I'd go knees. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd slap head. I'd go knees, but I would put them out with knees. And then uh, when I when I walk my dog, I'll carry it because there's because there's coyotes so you're gonna hack down the coyotes with no i'm gonna send my dog towards the coyote and then i'm gonna club the coyote in the head you have you ever used the billy club no okay no but i would i don't think it's a very effective way to defend yourself oh i think it's very short range man right but usually if you're getting attacked you're in short range but why why don't you just get a bow and and arrow in that and it's a because they're illegal I mean, a billy club is uh, legal too, but you can't carry a bow and arrow around. Uh, like, also the the loading I of think a bow and arrow. Carry around Los Feliz. You, well, you could, <laughs> you could, but I, I I think it's also a deterrent. Like when it, the one time I've used it without using it was a guy in the middle of the day. I see this guy at my front door, and he's got no shoes on. I think he was a homeless guy, and I see him just trying to open my front door. And I have an Irish temper for sure. So I'm, I'm like, yeah, I, I go, I'm like looking through this window and it's like a weird stained glass window. So I can only sort of see somebody. And I'm like, uh, it's Billy Club time. It's Billy Club time. So I, I picked up the, the club and I swung that door open like a maniac. And he, I think he shit his pants. And he like, he jumped back and I was like, can I help you, dude? And he was like, oh, I'm looking for my friend. And I was like, who? And the, he was like, I don't know. And I was like, were you trying to get, break into my uh, fucking house? Because I got a billy club. Because <laughs> I got a, a billy club and I'm about to destroy your knees. No. And he goes, no, dude. I, I, My friend told me they lived here. And I just took my hand and I covered up my address thing on the side of the house. And I go, what, not, what address is it? What address? And he's like, I don't know, man. And I was like, I'm counting to 10. Run. Get out of here. 10, 9, 8. And the guy, I will give him credit because he turned around and sprinted away like a. So what were his intentions? Did he try to break in? I, we, we've had like a lot of break-ins in the neighborhood where during the day, like I'm an actor, so I'm home during the day, but Mm -hmm. I think people will just go up and test doors and if they can go in quickly and grab something, they'll get in and out and. That's like a video game, man. It's wow. absolutely you got to get yourself a billy club. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of getting myself like two maces. You know I saying? mean, that would be very intimidating if you show up at the door with two maces and you're like, can I help you? Um, he's giving us a five minute warning here. Just want right. to ask you two things. Yeah. One, oh, I actually have three things. One, how do you get the call to be on the last OG? That was sort of insane i had had a pilot season where i tested for i think four shows meaning i had gone through an audition i had gone back for a producer and then they give you a a test contract where you basically uh sign off what if they decide to take you for a show this is the agreement on payment and all the terms um you've I, i'm assuming you know what testing is but it's the last it's the last audition before they book you for a tv show um so i had done four of them and gotten turned down on each on all of them they had gone with another choice on all of them and i was da- i was down about it because i'm like jesus christ so my agent calls and was like i you know why don't you go for this um I had said no, that I don't want to do the Tracy Morgan audition. It didn't feel like a uh, the right fit. It, you know, even the way they had described it in the breakdown, it was all about being like a rock star for a tatted up rock star. And I was like, that's not me. I'm not the, I'm not going to get this part. He was like, just go. And I went and I didn't, I was out of my mind. I didn't care. I was just like, I, I memorized it. It was like three pages of, but I sort of was real loose with it. And I went in sat down no further than I am from you. And I read through this thing with the casting director. She was blase about it. She was like, okay, do you want to do it again? And I was like, I'm good if you're good. And she was like, okay, thanks. And I was left, never thought a thing about it. 
And like a week later, they were like, oh, they really liked your audition, Ryan. That was that was great. And I was like, really? I don't even remember what I did. And they were like, day after that, they were like, oh, they're going to test you for this part. And I was like, what? That, I don't know what I did. I don't know. I don't even remember if like what I did with the script. And I was trying to dig up. So I'll keep my scripts and any notes. And I didn't have one note on that script because I just flew by the... Part. No. And he was like yeah it doesn't matter it's okay they're gonna just use your tape as the test and i was like what and then two days later they were like yeah you're booked you're going to new york in like a month to shoot this for three or four months and you i was like an alpha i honestly it was such a lesson of don't when you try too hard it like you gotta let go mm -hmm. you gotta let go and just do what's authentically you because that's what i did in that audition i was like i didn't care about what they were asking for i had to show them like who i am and what i would do in the part and that was it and what it was, was it like being on that show it was a i mean because that's tbs it, like. it was wild it was i mean crazy being i mean hanging out with tracy morgan and tiffany haddish all day long it's really pretty wild um and for doing it, lucky enough to do it for four seasons, I'm like, it definitely changed my life. And, you know, I got to know New York City. I'd never lived in New York City. I got to know Speak. that. Um, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was humid as hell. I was pitting out all over the place. Pitting out. Pitting out. Unfamiliar. Uh, pitting. Sweat pitting. Oh, sweat perspiring. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. You've never heard the term pitting out? It's very mean of you. Yeah. Pitting out. Pitting out all summer long. No, it gets so humid there. I mean, it's humid in Boston sometimes too, but New York City, whew. I feel like LA over New York. I think every time I'm in oh, New York, I got a damn near infection. A hundred percent. I, if they, I, I was always happy to leave. Always happy. It smells. You it's were gross. pitting out every. I was pitting out all over the place. I every, but the the cliche of the New York actor versus the LA LA actor. It's so clear to me now, and I'm like, I I I don't consider myself either. But I'm like, because I'm I I haven't trained like most New York actors. You talk to a New York actor, and they're always like Tish, or were you oh, okay, uh, like were you. And it's like there's a I get an air it, of affluence with the Juilliard yes. folk. Yes, but and you're it's a like street demon. I'm a, I'm born and raised on the streets of of acting. Yeah, and it, and, it, it, and probably not as good. It's probably not as good as they are. <laughs> but you know what? That's all right. No I one got, likes I got someone too smart anyway, man. I don't. I, yeah, I mean the number of people, uh, you know, spend hundreds of thousand dollars on 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 an acting school and then never work a job. I'm like, I'm glad that I just came out and hustled, learned from like the groundlings and learned from uh, acting that coaches. That fat dude used to work with. That fat dude in the, the phone conferencing center. He taught me a lot. He did teach me. I think somebody planted him in my life to be like, all right, go, put a, be go put a little fire in, in Ryan's belly. And or like, if you keep doing this, this is what you're yeah, going to Yeah, you like. will be this guy. Crunch, Doritos, crunch, crunch, crunch nasty all right i got i gotta wrap it up alex i don't want to kill you here no um two things real quick is there anything you're promoting because i'll cut you up a clip uh no i i mean i let i all the seasons of lasso g are on hbo max so you can uh you can rip into those anybody that hasn't seen it it's a really it's a funny show it's a heartfelt show it's you know it's for all ages and um and uh pretty relevant right now in what's happening in the world with everything so it's a good show and then other than that uh go go by if you're in la go by the groundlings theater because as you know it's a it's a fun night out and it's not too expensive and you get to see some really quality comedy there agreed i was also watching all your clips on is it bajillionaires that was oh yeah bajillion the, there, bajillionaires there was one thing fucking hilarious Dude. fun oh. you were like um yeah no we lost my dad a, less dude. than a decade ago a year ago yeah <laughs> that shit was hilarious dude that's with ben schwartz and drew tarver and that is one of my favorite moments on that show ever that's a great one if you really like if you're a comedy guy i'm not just saying this because i was on the show go watch bajillion dollar properties 
I think you can watch them all for free on Pluto, and it's the from beginning to end. It is one of the funniest shows you'll ever see. I I agree. I thought the clips I was seeing was ri- yeah. were riotlessly funny. Now this is how we start and end the episode. Okay, I'm gonna say it once. You're an actor. You should be able to execute on this. If you don't, I'm not gonna repeat myself, man. Not from Tish. So I don't know if it's okay. this is gonna go. All right. So you gotta say hi, your name. Yep. And this is my golden hour. Directly after no break, hi, your name, and that was my golden hour. I have to say hi, I'm Ryan Gall, and this is my golden hour. Right? And then... Oh, I didn't catch the last part, bro. I am Ryan Gall, <laughs> and this is my golden hour. I am Ryan Gall, and that was my golden hour. This is... Got it, got was. it, got it, got it. And just for audio, I don't have to look at the, the camera. I was late to the camera. <laughs> Oh, this is how we're gonna like we're gonna cut this up, put this right at the front. Got it. Hi, I'm Ryan Gall, and this is my golden hour. Hi, I'm Ryan Gall. That was my golden hour. Well executed, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. Thank Glad you, man. Here. Thanks, Alex. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait. Was that not it? Hey, enter. Just you forgot to enter.